Uncharted Journeys. I'm your host, Kathy McKnight. If you're like me and you've ever sat back and wondered, how did I get here? Whether literally or figuratively, in terms of your career or life in general, then you are in good company and have come to the right place. On Uncharted Journeys, you'll hear from amazing women about their straight and narrow, zigzaggy, or somewhere in between paths to success. Today's guest, a fellow Pelotoner, is the founder, CEO, and author of Spin Sucks, host of the Spin Sucks podcast, and author of Spin Sucks, the book. Next up, Spin Sucks the Movie, maybe. <laughs> she is the creator of the Peso, Paid, Earned, Shared, Owned, Marketing seg- Segmenting Model, for which I and literally millions of marketers around the world thank you for, and along with Syracuse University has crafted a certification for it. She has spent the last 15 years growing and running a thriving agency. She is co-author of Marketing in the Round, co-host of Inside PR, and co-host of the Agency Leadership Podcast. She's an in-demand speaker, foodie, and aficionado of shoes and wine in different orders depending on the magnitude of the day. Welcome, J- is it, sorry, I should have asked, Ginny Dietrich? Yes, you did it right. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> All right, so I have to ask, as a fellow Pelotoner, what are your go-to classes and go-to instructors for Peloton? Well, I have a massive, massive crush on Matt Wilpers. Yeah. Um, and I'm right in the middle of one of the Power Zone uh, challenges. I was just going to ask you, do you do Power Zone challenges? Which one are you doing? Um, I'm doing Once Upon a Time right now. I, I'm, I'm ahead. I'm on week five, and I did week five ride one this morning, which was the power zone max that was all zone four five and six for 45 minutes and i got my booster shot yesterday i'm dying but this i was literally on the bike like i'm going to die <laughs> so for my audience right now so any pelotoners out there you get what all was just said what i just said yeah for those who don't you're missing out and although we are not on visual i am bowing down to do a zone four five six 45 minute power zone ride just after Thanksgiving, after having your booster. It was, it was a bit much. You were beyond. Was, so it was, it was not my best all decision. The other really nice stuff I just said about you. <laughs> this is your new crown. It was, it was not my best decision ever, but hey, it's over with. So, oh man, I did a 60 minute on, on Sunday and I got to tell you, I'm like, oh yeah, no problem. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a three, four zone ride yeah, and yeah. I felt good coming out of it. Cause it was just like long, steady, you know, the fours push, but it's okay. And then I was out in the afternoon and I was walking up three flights of stairs, <laughs> like halfway through the third flight stop? of stairs. I'm like, there it is. It's, yeah, got it. <laughs> yep. Okay. I don't know if I'm going to get all the way to the top there. Well, who is, who are your favorite instructors? Oh, you know what? I'm, I gotta say I date. I'm an, I'm a frequent dater because I, there are, Matt, full stop, what's not to love? I'm, I gotta admit, I've got a bit of a crush on Sam Yo. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He grew on me. He grew on me. He, he, um, you know, he used to be a Buddhist monk. That does not surprise me. No. See, when I read that, I'm like, okay, it all makes sense sense. now. Yeah. Cause he's so chill. Yeah, it and it depends. If I want to have my butt kicked, then I'll do Christine's ride. Yep. Because she makes you feel bad if you start to slack off. <laughs> the only one I can't can't really really get into and and this is meant as no offense, not that he'll ever listen to this, but is Cody. Oh. He's just yeah. a little he's just he's a little a too little over much. the top for me. Yeah. And I do most of my rides in the morning and at, you know, 6 a.m. Cody in your head. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You got to do him at like 8 p.m. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Enough about Peloton. This isn't a Peloton. We'll have another session on that. Maybe we should, I should do yeah. like 
maybe I should do leading women who Peloton as <laughs> another it. podcast. I love that. That's a great podcast. <laughs> you can be my first. Let's do it together. Uh, we'll perfect. I love that. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a takeaway yeah. item for us. It's on, it's on the uh, parking lot. So back to think you, I mean, I was reading your bio and, and doing a little bit of snooping uh, and what you have accomplished and what you've done um, is not a small task. You're the writing, the peso model, which, you know, anybody who's listening, um, who's done any kind of marketing, even if they're not in marketing, like even if they're tertiary to that, you know, they're in sales or admin or ops or support, they've heard of that. And so like, I am so honored uh, to have you on the show and to meet you. Um, yes, I am fangirl crushing right now. And so tell, how did you get here? Like how, how did you end up being this like marketing queen? Um, well, <clears throat> as you know, and as you said earlier, this, the zigzaggy and the uncharted path that we all take, it's, it's evolved. And, you know, I really thought that I was going to go to law school and so I, cause I want to do contract negotiations for athletes, professional athletes. I don't know why that's what I wanted to do. I think maybe I had this idea that I could make a ton of money and that was sort of my goal when I was in college, like make tons of money. Um, so I didn't, I sort of just fell into this and I fell in love and people started to say, well, you're really actually good at this. Let's keep you going, keep you going. And I remember my dad saying to me, this is weird. Cause I always thought you'd write books. And so when I wrote my first book, he was like, oh, okay, it all makes sense because it, it's, it, it's a creative avenue to get you know where you want to go but you're right I mean we all take these paths that go around and above and beyond and you know step go back 10 steps and up to and it's just it it has not been a it definitely has not been a straight line to where I thought I would be for sure and to find something that you're passionate about early on in your career is you know I think is a gift I I've bounced around as anybody who's listened to the show so I won't go over it again in and around but there's always been a common thread of content yeah, and I didn't. I didn't realize that until probably sort of into my thirties, where I was really okay. I need to stop. Not that I changed jobs a lot. I changed companies because I, my companies kept getting acquired. Oh, Jesus! I was looking for new. Yeah, no, seriously. I, I, I was that. You know, the lucky penny. If you rub it, it comes true. That, it, that was the for acquisition. I, I remember going to wow. um, one of my one of my jobs one that I was actually applying for and said, and they're like, so, you know, what would you like to tell us? I said, well, and it was a small consulting firm, you know, there was only 15 people. I said, if you have any hopes, if you have any desire of being acquired, you should hire me. <laughs> and they kind of looked at me like it's these three guys sitting in front of me. You're like, who is this cocky woman, you know, 30 year old. <laughs> like, I'm talking. the lucky penny. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, so then I went through and they're like, oh, okay. They did hire me by the way. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to keep they that in mind. Get, they did not get acquired, but my next company did. It was, yeah, anyways, that's, that's, that's a bottle of wine or shoe shopping discussion. <laughs> Let's get into it or we're, we're going to be here for hours, which I would gladly be, but I'm sure you have other things to do. Um, as my, my audience knows, I always ask for questions to start mm -hmm. us off. So if you're game, we'll get going. Okay. So you mentioned wanting to be a lawyer at one point, but what was the first career you remember wanting to be or wanting to do when you grew up? You know, it's funny you ask this because I, I don't remember anything other than that. I had a pretty, pretty traumatic childhood, so I don't remember a lot from childhood. And so really the first thing I remember is in college wanting to be an attorney so that I could do contract negotiations. That's truly the first thing I remember. Unlike my, my, my kid who wanted to be a penguin when she grew up. We've outgrown that now, but 
You know what? I like the creativity of that. <laughs> you, that, that, you got to hold that one in your back pocket. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, at, yeah. Oh, like at some point when she's an adult, get her, her like a full onesie penguin Oh, outfit. for sure. For sure. Dreams yeah. come true, right? And then when University she's asked graduation. this question, you know, 30 years from now, she can say, well, I wanted to be a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> Such a better answer. I was going to say, not that I'm judging, but that's a way better answer. <laughs> way better answer. Way so you also, you mentioned your dad. Um, who was a big influence in your life early on? My grandpa. Um, he was sort of my father figure for many, many years. He did a lot of um, activities with me. I'm the oldest of six, so their parents were distributed among all the children and grandparents too. And he was my best friend. Um, he died when I was 13, and I'm still devastated by that. It's still, it's a massive loss so amazing to have your extended family so involved in your life um very very fortunate i had both sets um, oh that's amazing not 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 long i mean i had one of my grandmothers until i was about 16 or 17 but the other ones had passed away all since my till since i was around 13 actually 14 and i still remember like i still yeah you know the the weekly visits love of, that you know a couple of times and it's it's so important and you you kind of wish that your kids could meet them right like it's yes yeah it, it, i really do and my husband yeah i would really like that as you talked about you've had you know a circuitous career path is there a song that epitomizes your career you know i had to think about this um, and I do a lot of crisis communication, so I decided End of the World by R.E.M. That could either be super uplifting or really pessimistic. <laughs> I'm hoping it's super uplifting because it's sort of the idea that you're evolving and changing as you go. And it may feel like the end of the world, but we continue on anyway. And if your career were a street name, what would it be? Well, while you were doing the intro, I changed it <clears throat> to Zigzaggy Avenue. Oh, all right. Zigzaggy Avenue, just because you've gone back and forth. Have, have there been a lot of um, back and forths in your career? What's, what's that journey look like? I mean, we, it's been centered around marketing, as we've, we've talked about. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you were, you were saying how you totally agree. You know, you take 10 steps forward and four steps back, a couple of sideways. Is that what your career journeys look like? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's... I think that's the case for all of us because we have this idea, especially when we're graduating from college, that we're going to get this great job and we're going to you know, climb the corporate ladder. And I certainly had this idea that I was going to climb the corporate ladder and I was going to become partner and I was going to get my company paid BMW and I was going to be, you know, doing all these things. Like that's what they gave you. Like, and I, that was my idea of a path. And that is not what happened about my own BMW, but <laughs> I did not get the company paid BMW. And you know, life happens. Uh, change change happens. I moved cities all by myself. Like there, things happen, right? And as you as you evolve through your career, you make different choices based on where you are at that point in your life. You know, when you're graduating from college, you're 22, you're fresh. Most of us, you know, are single and you know, out there to face the world, and we're really excited. And then, you know, you get married and you have kids, and you know, all these things happen, and you make different different decisions based on where you are in that, in your, in that particular time of your life. And so because of that, you know, we've seen, I've seen all sorts of things. Another thing that I've seen is, you know, we've had um, in my career and I would imagine yours as well. We had the dot com bubble burst. We had the great recession. We've had COVID we've had like all of this stuff that's happened, right. That ha- has affected the way that we, 
do our jobs that's completely outside of our control. And then on top of it, in 2011, I was like, okay, I have this really great idea. I was really focused on the fact that Peloton was offering these on-demand classes that I thought was so cool. And I was like, what if we could do that for the PR industry and offer on-demand courses where you can learn? You can learn from experts. You can learn crisis comms. You can learn e-commerce. You can learn growth marketing, whatever happens to be. And we have it all in one spot. And it went (laughs) flopped. Big time. No one was ready for it. Nobody was taking online courses. There was no virtual anything. And so I had this vision that I knew would get there, but it was so early that it flopped. So I wrote a couple of books. I went on the speaking tour. Like all this other stuff happened as I was sort of winding myself around from that that massive failure. Well, we learn more often from our failures than we do from our successes. So that, that sounds pretty pivotal in your career but what can you is there a moment a defining moment decision action something that significantly impacted the trajectory really anchored it to the the way you ended up going yeah I would say that when I wrote spin sucks the book although I do like the idea of spin sucks the movie um (laughs) when I wrote that heard it here first ladies and gentlemen (laughs) yeah you're my producer um I put the peso model in there but and I tell the story a lot but the I, I it wasn't fully fleshed out. The part of the reason it wasn't fully fleshed out is we were still trying to figure it out internally at my agency. Like, how do we how do we do more than media relations? How do we do more than events and reputation? Um, how do we add in, you know, all the social media that's happening? And how do we add in blogging and content marketing? And how do we add in some of this paid stuff like boosted content and and um, native, native advertising that you know communicators are typically in charge of? And I was trying to figure all that. And so part of the book writing process was to sort of figure that out. And I had a great editor and she came back to me after the first draft and she said, this is fantastic. We need a name for this and we need sort of a visual to show it. And so she's the one that's forced me to to create a process around it. Because at the time when I wrote the first draft, it wasn't a process. Um, And she forced me to rethink it a little bit and give it a name and make sure that it had a, a model and a process. And I didn't really, I did that, of course. Um, And then we published the book and then I went on tour for a year. And so I didn't really think about how the PESOL model was going to affect the industry or change the way that communicators do their jobs. I just published in the book what we were doing at our agency in the hopes that it would help somebody. And that was sort of the pivotal moment of, oh my gosh, I published this book and it has this model in it and people really love it. And so we had to take a step back and we had to hire an attorney to help us with all the copyright and trademark and, you know, do all that. We did a certification with Syracuse University. So all of that came later. But that was the pivotal moment when I wrote the book and had this model in it that the publisher said, you've got to make this more concrete for people. And because of that, we've been able to do all these other things. So. I know a bunch of people who have written books and have been told on multiple occasions, you really need to write a book. And it sounds like you went into it with what my mindset is, is who's going to read my book? Like, you know. Yes. And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I certainly don't mean to, put, no, you're to right. put, put words in your mouth, but the fact that, you know, it, it, it is a brilliant model. It makes total sense and it's adaptable and it's morphed over the years. And I'm sure you've seen like, thousands of versions of it um yes. probably a couple of them going oh that's good and others that have like that's really bad you it's really, really bad. don't get it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes 
But the fact that you were able to, that you got pushed, you know, you, you were pressure tested on it, not only to come up and flush it out, but really get behind it. And then for it to flourish to a point where, you know, copyright and tour and a course with like a very well-known university, which I'm now, I'm sure is being licensed for other schools. At what point did you sit back and go, okay, I did good. <laughs> I actually never did that, but I have, we have really close family friends. And, and I remember him saying to me, wait a second, you just created this certification for this model that you created with Syracuse University. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, you're flipping bad. <laughs> I won't say it on the air. You can but- say badass. <laughs> okay, okay. Badass. He's like, you're flipping badass. And I was like, what, really? And he's like, yes. And he like celebrated me for me. And it was that, that I was like, oh, okay, cool. Thanks. It's so important that we, we, celebrate our successes it um, is you're right you know yes. we women in particular and i'm not saying men don't do it as well but women in particular we put our heads down we get work done we do our best and it's that's just what we do and we don't look at it as something necessarily to be celebrated or right. Right. that you know no not everybody can do this so absolutely yay you and, you know, 15 years running a successful business, growing it immensely. What does your current role look like? You talked about making decisions and how they change during, you know, wherever you are in life, but also where you are in your career. You must be, I shouldn't say you must be, I, I would guess that you're sort of settled now. You just moved house. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, you know, your career is going well, more than well. You've got all of these great things going on. Your kids are healthy now. Yes. Hopefully yes, after yes. Monday. Yes, yes. I think it was more Thanksgiving well hangover. <laughs> what are some of the, you know, what gets you up in the morning? What are the challenges, compromises, changes that you've, you know, gone over and, and not just over COVID, but, you know, now that you've really settled into to who you are and what you do? You know, I remember a business coach said to me, probably 10 years ago, he said, you have to decide if you want to be a kick-ass business company grower or a kick-ass communicator. Because if you're going to grow a company, you can't do the work. And I remember at the time thinking, well, why not? And he sort of forced me to make that decision. And I decided that I wanted to be a kick-ass company grower. And it turns out I didn't like that at all. I didn't like the, all the stuff that comes with being the CEO. Like, you know, the HR issues and the, at the time we had an office, the so-and-so ate my lunch and it's too cold in here. Like having to deal with all that stuff, I was like, can't we just, to your point, can't we just put our heads down and do our jobs and like enjoy one another? I really did not enjoy that part of it. And so I shifted and I said, okay, I know that that's not my path and I really enjoy doing the work. And you said earlier that, you know, the thing that has centered all around your career has always been content. I love that as well. And I, so I, I sort of carved this path for myself inside my own business that that's what I get to do. And then I have the people over here that handle all the HR issues and things that I don't enjoy. Are there different compromises now? Think about some of the stuff you would have compromised on in your early days and, and now, you know, again, established. What does that look like? How has it changed? You know, I think in the beginning, I compromised life, life and... Um, lifestyle and family. You know, I was a little bit older when, when we had kids and, 
you know, I spent a really long time in my career before we started a family. And I gave up a lot. I compromised a lot of that. And so now I won't compromise that. You know, I compromised a lot of my own health um, because I was always on the road and I was always visiting clients. And so I've now, I'm not compromising that. I'm telling you, if I cannot get on that Peloton every single day, you you do not want to be around me. And that's one thing that's really important to me. It's really important to me. So now I'm compromising things like we may not make as much money or we may not get a client because I'm not willing to get on a plane to go see them every month. And that's okay. Um, you know, 10 years ago, that wouldn't have been okay for me, but now it is. That's so insightful. And it's so great that you've recognized that because in our era now, um, similar, you know, my kids are, are older than yours, but 18 and 21, and we do try and do it all. I'm sure when your kids were super young, you were still getting on the plane and then catching the red yeah. eyes so that yeah. you're there for breakfast the next yeah. morning instead of getting terrible. a good night's sleep. <laughs> terrible. And, oh man, the number of times <laughs> that I have literally sat in a client meeting going, fabulous. I'll send you a follow-up email, like, no, right. thank you, because I'm running to catch the earlier flight so I can so get I can to get, the second yeah. second or third period of a hockey game, right? Mm-hmm. You, like, you, you yeah. do that stuff, and at yeah. some point we go, no, like, this we have to, yeah. we reassess, and, and some don't. I have a girlfriend, she's got two kids, she is still, like, road warrior supreme, but she's happy. That's right. what makes, right. like, right. Right. that's good for her. Yeah. And it's good for her family because when she's happy, the family's happy, right? right. So there is right, no right. right or wrong. But being able to recognize that you need to make that pivot and shift. Some people never get there and they just end up angry. So Peloton keeps you happy because you get off that bike and you have no energy left to be angry at anybody. Right. If you've done it right. I have no energy for any emotion. But do you seriously Peloton every day? Yeah. Wow. All right. I may set a new goal. Oh boy. All right. So <laughs> sorry, I'm just a Peloton. Out of everything you said, you know, my audience is going, that's what you're impressed by, that she's on the Peloton every day. Yeah. I Those people it. who are saying that, they don't Peloton. They don't Peloton. Uh, right. <laughs> and right. are you now like a dedicated Hilton stayer because now they're putting Pelotons in every hotel? And I just saw, I was in the Facebook group the other day and somebody, somebody is uh, at the World Cup. And they found a hotel that has a Peloton. So they yes. turn around while they're at the World Cup. Yes. I was like, that's dedication. Yeah. Yeah. I don't go on Facebook very often, but when I do go on, it's to be in the Power Zone uh, training group, uh, yep. you know, Love communities it. to see Love what's it. going on. I just stalk, but yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Sorry. We digress. Uh, <laughs> If you weren't doing what you do, if you weren't the, like I said, the marketing queen, what would you, what do you think you'd be doing? Or maybe, you know, if, if, food network, pardon me, food Food network. network. Ooh, are you like a secret Alton or are you Bobby Flay? Are you cooking? Are you judging? Are you just testing? Cooking for sure. Oh yeah. I, uh, probably, let me think about this. Six years ago, I was offered a pilot and I went through the whole thing. I went, I got all the way up to actually doing, to recording the pilot. And there was a cookbook, there was a name, like we did a photo shoot, the whole kit and caboodle. And the challenge for me, I really wanted to do it. The challenge for me and the reason it didn't happen is because they said that part, the the concept was it was going to be recipes passed down from generation to generation 
And so I had actually done a contest with the Spinzex community to, to get recipes that had been passed down for several generations that the community had. And we had all these recipes and they said to me, we can't use these recipes that, because they haven't been tested. We have to use recipes that we already have. And they, the fact of the matter was they hadn't been passed down generation to generation. They were just recipes that had already been tested. And I remember thinking to myself, I can't very well be building a business built around the ethics of PR and do this. And so I turned it down. One of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Wow. Yeah. That. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it probably wasn't a difficult decision because you have a baseline like that. Just as soon as you said that, I'm like, well, of course you can't do that. Right. <laughs> I was like, like what? I want, I want to be the person at the food network who's going, yeah, yeah, this is okay. It's totally okay. Because if you're, I mean, the first question out of anybody's head is going to be, what's the story behind this recipe? And that would have been all fabricated. So they weren't willing to test and, and, and get it so it was repeatable, you know, nope. take an extra two months and, and work them. Nope. Have yeah. you been testing them ever since and improving them yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that you can do this? Yeah. Well, I have a couple for you if you decide to do the book. Okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Now I'm all sad about watching the food now. <laughs> Actually, the producer I worked with is no longer there. So if that tells you anything. Louise. So don't be sad about it. Don't be sad. Okay, I'm not going to be sad about it. But yeah, well, I'm. please let me know if that actually happens. And if there's (laughs) any way I can get my two cents and glom into that, I'm happy to be like your sous chef. I love to cook. So um, happy to be in the background chopping carrots or or whatever. Perfect. We'll go on Iron Chef as a team. It'll be great. Oh, fantastic. We're taking down Bobby Flay, man. Taking him down. Taking him down. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. So for our listeners, particularly the women in our audience, you've done so much and had different opportunities and, and bounced and molded and changed. What would be your best piece of advice, whether it's life or career, success, happiness? You know, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about having it all. And I think we were sold a bill of goods about that. And I, I think that we can have it all, but we can't have it all at the same time. And, you know, just like the story you told of your friend that's the road warrior or leaving a meeting to get earlier to get an earlier flight so you can get to the last period of the hockey game. Like, yes, we can do that, but at what expense? And so my advice is really listen to what it is that makes you happy and go with that. Like, you don't have to... Be a road warrior if you don't want to. And you can absolutely be a road warrior if you want to. But really figure out what makes you the happiest and focus on that because everything else will come. And I know it doesn't feel that way. I know you feel like we all feel that way. Like you have to work harder than the men and you have to put in more time. And if you have young kids, you can't leave work early to go pick them up from school. Like you have these feelings that we can't do those things. And I think that's baloney. And if, if you're given a hard time because you are doing those things, because you've made that a priority, then you have to find a different job. So really figure out what it is that is important to you. And that's going to change. It's not going to be the same as, right now as it is 10 years from now. And that's okay. But what's really important to you right now and carve that path for yourself. Carving your own path is such sage advice. 
it's something I don't think, well, I'll speak for myself, growing up, you chose a path. And, you know, God forbid you changed from that path. Right. I started off in university. I was in uh, human kinetics. I was planning to go to med school. I took some time off because I was just wasn't in the headspace. I'm like, nope, I'm going to go travel. So, you know, did that, came back late, couldn't get into any of my courses. So (laughs) I took them. And anybody who knows me is going, what? Because I'm uber organized. Um, So took a bunch of electives, realized that social science students have half the hours or less of um, bio-sci students. And really found my, that's when content really came came into my life in communications. I also couldn't fathom going into debt the way you have to for med school. Right. But I was petrified of telling people. I was petrified of of saying I had changed my course. It's okay to say you're going to do something and to change your mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. There's no shame in that. Like whether it's, you know, you want to try out being a vegetarian and, you know, and you're diehard about it and then you just can't not have that Big Mac. Who cares? Who cares? Right. It's all good. I had a friend. Yes. She was a bacon-eating vegetarian. <laughs> she could be a vegetarian I mean, as long as she didn't have to give up bacon. That's fair. I, I you can do kind you, of understand right? That. Yeah. Can, so, bacon-eating vegetarian. <laughs> there's a cookbook. That's the best. All vegetarian <laughs> except for bacon. So I, I love that advice of of everybody's, you know, one of the reasons why I started this is because everybody's journey is different. And I wanted to break down that preconception that, you know, you, Ginny, woke up at 12 and said, I am going to be a marketing maven (laughs) and set out to do it and never changed. You know, life is messy and you're going to take a wrong turn every once in a while. Sometimes it's fortuitous and you end up in a really good spot. Sometimes it's a really bad part of town and you got to get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's your path. So, you know, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. That's really great. Yes. Enjoy the journey. All right. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much. I've so enjoyed our conversation and to my audience, thank you for listening to Uncharted Journeys with me, your host, Kathy McKnight. I hope you might enjoyed my conversation with Ginny and hearing about how just taking chances and and following your heart will land you exactly where you need to be. And if you're keen to hear more stories from Amazing Women, uh, please check out our website, uh, unchartedjourneys.net, and sign up for our email, and you can check out all the links and resources in our show notes. I'll be sure to include all of Ginny's in there. Thank you again for listening, and see you next time. And until then, enjoy the journey. That's great. It starts with an earthquake, birds and snakes, an airplane. Lenny Bruce is not a brain.